You know, the human ear is an amazing part of God's creation. When we were on vacation a few weeks ago, we went to the beach one day. And for me, there's nothing like sitting on the beach and listening to the waves hit the shore. That sound of the water hitting the sand, a rhythm of the waves. Then you have the sounds of the birds uh, as they're, they're flying overhead and the trees. We were at a place along a uh, beach along the James River. And, and you hear the screech of, a, of an eagle, of a bald eagle as it flies around. And then you hear the sound of children laughing and playing as they run along the sand. And then when we were in Cincinnati, we were, the house we were staying at was in the path of the planes that were landing at the Cincinnati airport. And, and if you stood outside, you'd look up, you could see the wheels were down, and, and you could see details of the plane. And while for some people that might seem like it was a, a, a disturbance, and, and, I, and I slept right through it all through the night when it was happening, but for the kids, for Caleb and Abigail, it was exciting to hear the engines, and they say, oh, here comes a big one, that's got to be at least a three-turbine. And, and so to be able to hear that, You see, God created our ears with incredible sensitivity. The human ear can, can, can detect a sound vibration that's as low as 0.00002 pascals. And, and if you know what a pascal is, that's about the equivalent of taking a pin and dropping it from the height of one centimeter. Our ears have tubes in them called the station tubes that, that connects to the middle ear at the back of the throat. And what that does, it helps equalize pressure. So like if you're riding a roller coaster or you're, you're going up a mountain, it's, it helps your ears to balance the pressure on the outside and the inner ear. Each of our ears has a cochlea which is this spiral-shaped organ that's responsible for converting all the sound waves that reach it, to, and, and it, it allows it to become electrical signals so that your brain can interpret what it is. The vestibular system in our inner ear helps us with balance and spatial orientation. Our ears have a, a built-in amplifier made of these three tiny little bones that when, when sound comes in, if it's quiet sound, it gets amplified so that we can hear it. And when that sound is too loud, our ears have the ability to, to shut it down, to, to close off part of it. The muscles can close up so that it protects the middle ear. Little hairs in our inner ear convert sound waves to electrical signals that's again sent to our brains. Our, our ears can localize sound. So if I hear a sound over here and a sound over here and they're different sounds, I can tell which direction those sounds are coming from. Our ears are truly a marvel of God's creation. But have you ever wondered why? We don't have ears on the inside of head. Why? Why is the ear here on the outside? No? Well, maybe I'm the only one that's ever wondered about that. Well, the reason why is because we're not supposed to listen to ourselves. You know, we live constantly in this atmosphere in our own mental universe inside of our heads. 
And the quality of that universe is extremely important. Are we going to listen to the sounds of the blessings of God, which is what I think we were listening to around the beach and on the riverfront, the, the beauty of nature and the blessings that God gives us. Are we going to listen to that? Or are we going to listen to that deafening noise of this fallen world and of the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realm? You know, God's word, it, it comes to us in sounds. Words form together to create sounds that have meaning to our brains. And, and those sounds, the sounds of those words can move our hearts to a point where we, where we weep. Or those sounds can, can move us to the point where we, we, we want to take action, motivates us. John, John 1 doesn't say that the, that the image of God became flesh. It says that the Word of God became flesh. In, in our technical world today, our, our, our eyes are going to deceive us. What you see on TV and what you see online and that, that looks real and we may think is real is not reality. TV and video are going to continually, increasingly brainwash us with carefully edited fantasies. But God's Word, God's written Word, will continue to engage us through words that illuminate us, words that last, words that undeceive our confusion. And just as our mothers told us, we need to learn to listen. You know, scripture tells us in Jeremiah 2 4, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. In Deuteronomy 6 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you know, our faith is made possible by what we hear. Romans 10 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Hear, not see. Now I know scripture says, see, taste and see that the Lord is good. But there's something about, about listening and hearing God's word. We need to learn to listen to God through his word. And that's what Isaiah is trying to show us today. In Isaiah 50, starting with verse 1, it says, Thus says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. It says, God says, I, I sent you away. Why? Because you sinned. He's talking to those who are sent into exile into Babylon. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? They didn't listen to God. So they got sent into captivity. And he says, is my hand shortened that I cannot redeem? He says, am I so weak? Is my hand so short that I can't even reach into Babylon to bring you out? 
Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert, their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. See, God is challenging the Israelites to think. What they're seeing, what they're experiencing in captivity. It's not what they think it is. It is not that God has abandoned them. And yes, they are being disciplined. But they are not abandoned. So God asked them to remember why they are in captivity. It's their sin. Their sins have led them to their present state. They didn't listen to God, but instead they listened to their own selfish desires. Their desires for what the other nations had when they had everything they needed in Yahweh, in God. But even so, even with all of that, God is able to redeem them and to rescue them from the captivity if they would but listen. So now we're going to see this, this shifting because we're seeing this conversation between, like we did in previous weeks, with conversation between God and the, God the Father and God the Son. And now we have this switch where I believe this is not Isaiah speaking about himself, but it's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, speaking in the book of Isaiah. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have not set my face like a flint. I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me, and he will will declare me, who will declare me guilty? Nobody could declare Christ guilty. Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. This is Jesus speaking. All these things that we see that, 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 that happened to him, these are what he's talking about. Just as in the last chapter, Israel is sent into exile because they refused to listen to God. And when they returned from exile, they had the same attitude. It really didn't change them a whole lot. There were some that were faithful and some that were listening, but ultimately they get again, they end up having to be overthrown. The, the, the Greeks come in and they rule them for a while. Then the Romans come in and rule them for a while. And even then, they don't turn back to God. In 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. And they go into a dispersion throughout the Roman Empire. But before that, God's going to send them somebody who will listen to him in perfect obedience. See, Jesus is going to do what Israel should have been doing. Jesus is willing to listen to the Father and to do his Father's will to the point of suffering, to the point of having his beard torn out, to the point of giving them his back and having him whipped, having him spit on. Because the center of a listening servant's heart 
is a listening ear and a submissive heart to things that was in short supply in Israel and I'm afraid is in short supply today. At the beginning of this section of verses, it's, it's, it says that he's given me words. God has given Jesus the words to say. We also see this in, in John 5, 19. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Centuries before Jesus came to suffer and die for our sins, he, he spoke to us here in Isaiah 50. We, we, we see this amazing intimacy between the Father and the Son in these verses. The Father teaches him what to say. And what Jesus says are words of encouragement. Are you weary? Are you struggling today? Jesus has words of encouragement for you. Words he learned from his Father. All we have to do is listen. This is the wonderful mystery of the incarnation. Jesus is all-knowing. He is God. When he, when, he, when he came, he didn't stop being God when he became man. It sounds odd, but nothing ever occurs to God. God doesn't sit there one day and say, hey, I never thought about that. He knows Everything. He is omniscient. But see, we also know that Jesus learned things on earth. As an infant in the manger, Jesus didn't come out of Mary's womb and begin adult conversations with Mary and Joseph. Look what it says about him in Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom. How is that possible? He's all-knowing. In Hebrews 5a, it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So Jesus learned things while he was here. And even though he and the Father are one, he still needed his quiet time with the Father. In fact, back in these verses, it says that the Father awakens him for it. In Mark 1.35, he says, In rising early, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He'd have to get up early in the morning because he knew as soon as he was up and the disciples were up and the people found out they were, he was up, he would, they would start coming to him and wanting him to talk to them, wanting them, him to heal them. So the Father would wake him up early in the morning, and he would go out, to a dark and, and, and quiet place and pray. And it, it was his listening to the Father and being obedient that helped him endure the suffering that would ultimately save you and me if we would just listen and believe. Jesus was perfectly obedient. He, he didn't refuse to suffer, but he offered his very back to be beaten. He could have defended himself. When Peter tried to defend him in the garden, and Peter had a sword, he cut off the servant's ear, and Jesus reached down, picked up the ear, and healed the servant. And he looks at Peter and says, and Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. For if you take up your sword, you will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? Jesus could have asked, and God the Father would have sent him everything he needed to protect him. 
Nobody could have laid a hand on him if he so wished. But that's not what God's will was. And so Jesus is obediently allowing the crowd to take him. That is Jesus listening and being obedient to his Father. And it's that listening and obedience that makes you and I righteous before God. Romans 5, 18 19 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, on the cross, the many will be made righteous. Not all. It doesn't say all. It says many. You know, the world may, may look at the obedience of Christ and, and look at our obedience to, to Him and, and to God and, and, they, and they paint it as a weakness. And, and it might, they may attempt to make it lead to disgrace. But see, when we listen to God's Word and when we are obedient to His Word and, and when we live like Christ in obedience, we will be vindicated. No shame, no disgrace. Oh, there are people who will, who will persecute us here for it, laugh at us, call us names, shun us. But in the end, the Father himself will vindicate us. Those who brought charges against Jesus and those who bring charges against us, as we obediently listen to God, will be brought to nothing. Romans 8, 33, Paul says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who's going to do it? It is God who justifies. Who, who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? God vindicated Christ by raising him from the grave. And guess what? You and I are raised with him. Who is at the right hand of God who is indeed interceding for us? We are in Christ, so we too are standing at the right hand of God, protected from any accusation and condemnation from those who are not following Christ. Yeah, they will condemn us here on this earth, but in the long run, in the long game we've talked about previously that God plays in eternity, they have no say. It is God who vindicates. No condemnation. And Jesus knows the words that we need to hear today to sustain us when we are weary. We just, we, just, we just need to listen to him. So we come to this fork in the road. This place where we, we have to answer this key question. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the, the suffering servant of Yahweh? Or are you going to listen to yourself and, and the noise of this world and all the voices of, of darkness that are speaking to us? Those are the only two options. You can't walk the middle line. Isaiah 57 says, Who among you fears the Lord and, and obeys the voice of his servant? Who is it? Who among you are actually being obedient? Let him who walks in darkness, well, those are the ones that are not being obedient, and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. He's saying, those of you who are not believers, it is time. You have better trust in God because you're walking in darkness. 
See, it all comes down to whether you fear the Lord and obey His voice. Jesus speaks the gospel, the good news of God to us. As I shared earlier from Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from what? From hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. Oh, there are many people today who are listening. They listen to all kinds of things. But are they hearing? Are are their hearts hearing God's word, the words of Christ? Jesus is speaking the kingdom to us, telling us to repent and to believe and to walk in the light. And that, that life and that walking has to lead to a life that reflects our belief. Jesus' half-brother James says, what good is it, my brothers? What good is it? If someone says he has faith but does not have works. See, your, your faith has to be shown in your works. Faith can face save him, he says. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, then go in peace, be warmed and filled but doesn't give him anything to help him go and be warmed and filled, giving him those things that are needed for the body, what good is it? It's just talk. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Oh, but my faith has saved me. But what does Christ say? Christ says, loves your brother. Love your brother. If somebody comes to you and needs something, give it to them. If your brother needs a cloak, give him your cloak. Give him both your cloaks. Nope, I have faith. I'm saved for eternity. I'm I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to coast. I'm just going... No, your faith is dead. So, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You can't just say that I'm working you. It's not about working towards our salvation. If you don't believe in Christ, you're, you're condemned. You're dead too. But if I have faith, and I'm living that life, and I'm listening to God, then I'm also going to have works that are going to occur. Good works. He says, you believe that God is one. Oh, you do well. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. See, apart from Jesus, we are walking in darkness. We're lost in our sin, and we need a Savior. Do you believe this is true? Then come out of the darkness and come into the light of salvation. Have you experienced the life of Jesus, and and you hear, heard God's voice, and you listen to his word, but, but now you find yourself wandering away and listening to the world, listening to your own desires, the desires of this fallen world. Isaiah addresses this in verse 11. He says, Behold, all of you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, he says, you've done this by your own way. You've kindled the fire. You're carrying torches that you've created. He says, walk by the light of your fire. Go ahead, do it. And by the torches that you have kindled, this you have for my hand, you shall lie down in He says, you cannot do it on your own. You need Christ. You need the light of Christ in your life. If you kindle your own flame, it doesn't work. You are going to be in torment, walking by your own light, by your own wisdom. Go ahead and do it. 
Figure it out on your own. Walk by your own torch. Figure it out for yourself. Go ahead. Save yourself. If you can, it'll only lead to torment. Be very careful who you listen to. There are plenty of voices out there, even in churches, that are not good. Be careful who you listen to. Listen and carefully hear the Word of God. Luke 8 says, Take care then how you hear, for to one who has, more will be given. And from one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Hmm. Thank goodness, praise God, that Jesus was faithful and listened to his Father on our behalf. Thank him and worship him every day. Also, be sure to spend some time, quiet time with him. And devotion time, reading his word, praying. Jesus did it. He was God. He needed it. You're not God. You certainly, and we certainly need it more. Don't just be hearers of the word. Don't, we, don't just listen to it, but take it in. And have it change your life. And be doers of the word. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Are you going and making disciples? Or are you just going and praying that somebody else will make those disciples? Praying that somebody else will share the gospel with them. It's not that hard. Do what it says, even if it costs you everything. And don't leave here today in darkness. Whether you've never stepped into the light of Christ through trusting Him, or if you have experienced walking with Christ and you've wandered away. And now you're wandering into the darkness. Repent. For the time is now. Now is the day of salvation. I want to close with this from the Apostle John in 1 John 1. He says, if you say that you have fellowship with him... While we walk in darkness, if you say you're a believer and yet you're walking in darkness, you are sinning. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. Let's pray.